The Lord be with you. And also with you. Bless the Lord who forgives all our sins. God's mercy endures forever. We gather for ordered worship. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered this day in the praise of God for our gathered congregation here in Marsh Chapel, for a radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support your written and emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of ministry and leadership in our midst, and as the Spirit moves come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. Today we meditate upon the gospel, love in mind, recalling the beautiful Kingswood hymn of Charles Wesley, unite the pair so long disjoined, knowledge and vital piety, learning and holiness combine, and truth and love for all to see. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
May we pray. Gracious Father, whose blessed Son, Jesus Christ, came down from heaven to be the true bread which gives life to the world, evermore give us this bread that he may live in us and we in him, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. Well, beloved, Boston is a big city with the heart of a small town. This week we are grieving the loss of two in our midst, a week in which we remember loss and honor, grief and love, tragedy and grace. We remember the Kennedy and Walsh families this day, even as we recall our own existence and estrangement, our own fragility and fragmentation, our own sin and death. In this Lent of preparation, we pause now together for a moment of silent confession. We'll ask our choir to guide us in singing the traditional Kyrie. Well, beloved, but for the grace of God, we would not be, and but for the grace of God, we could not love. But for the grace of God, we should not speak. But by God's grace, we live and love and speak. Hear the good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. A lesson from the first book of Samuel. Chapter 16, verses 1 to 13. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul? I have rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and set out. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears of it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do, and you shall anoint for me the one whom I name to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? 
He said, peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. He said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shema pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but he's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. He sent and brought him in. Now he was ready, and he had beautiful eyes, and he was handsome. The Lord said, Rise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Then Samuel set out and went to Ramah. The word of God. Thanks be to God. A lesson from St. Paul's Epistle to the Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The word of the Lord. Our scripture reading continues with this recitation of Psalm 23 with the antiphon. my shepherd, I shall not want. Maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. 
thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. As you are able, please stand for the singing of the Gloria Dei and the reading of our gospel lesson. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew, chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. Glory to you, O Lord. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. A number of you gathered with us last year, almost at this time, for breakfast on April 15th. You were dressed both for sun and shade, soul y sombra. You received a recitation of the Gettysburg Address and a poem from Longfellow. You sang two patriotic hymns in our residence. You sang very well, by the way, following a little nourishment of eggs and muffins and donuts, juice and coffee. Together you made your way to Kenmore Square to see the end of the 
the race, the Boston Marathon, on that one New England family picnic day. Some, following the Kenmore Square moment, returned home. Others, a few, I believe, were tempted to study. A group then went, made their way, meandered, lollygagging down the Commonwealth Mall. Some, after a while, turned right there on Exeter and headed over toward Boylston Street, a street, a corner, very much on our mind this week as well. One, at least, one couple, rather than turning left on Boylston, made their way back around the hotel and onto Huntingdon Avenue. And there and then, odd, for a time, indecipherable, loud claps. And the tide of pedestrian traffic turning and returning to Massachusetts Avenue, where Another reported on what had happened, and then you, several of you, came here to Marsh Chapel. Two of you had gone that day to mend uh, skinned knees and blisters and heat exhaustion in the tents, but many of you came here to join the priest and the rabbi and others to distribute blankets and water, the use of landlines, uh, prayer and encouragement, the Boston University police came to take us to the medical center where one of our students lay injured, but by God's grace she survived, only to ask the next day when conscious, and uh, uh, where is my friend, Luling C. Not quite a year ago we came straightway into the experience, uh, the hard-boiled, hard-headed, realistic experience of evil and of randomness and of hurt, but also of grace and of perseverance. We may not then have been thinking of the scriptural Reminders embedded in the traditional Calvinist five-part summary, the tulip summary, total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, perseverance of the saints. But we knew in our bones, in our hearing, something of that rendering, important rendering, of reality, both in perseverance and in depravity, both in grace and in limitation. This Lent together we have viewed the scripture and its reading, the Holy Gospel as beautifully rendered today through the eyes and ears of John Calvin, the great Geneva reformer, 1509 to 1564. This in Lent we have done over several years one way or another, either through reformed tradition themes, atonement and decision and other, or voices from the reformed tradition, Calvin and Marilyn Robinson and Jacques Ellul and other. That is, here in this Methodist pulpit, more Anglican than Calvinist, more Genesis 1 than Genesis 2, more creation than fall, you might say, 
we have found it very helpful to draw on the resources of our siblings whose teaching over 400 years has meant so much here in New England. And so we have together considered Calvin for Lent in exit and voice, in letters of recommendation, in deep thirst, and today in love in mind. Some years ago, 1982, Gabriel Vahanian, smoking his pipe in the Hall of Languages, no sterner Calvinist than he, answered a question by saying, well, you know, sometimes the will of man is more inscrutable than the will of God. The will of man is more inscrutable than the will of God. April 15th, 2013, to be clear, was the will of man. In grace and in depravity, in perseverance and in limitation. God does not die on the day we cease to believe in a personal deity, but we die on the day that our lives cease to be illumined by a radiance renewed daily of a wonder whose source lies beyond all reason. Don't you wish you had written that sentence? So do I, no? was Dog Hammarskjöld. God does not die on the day that we cease to believe in a personal deity, but we die on the day that our lives cease to be illumined by a radiance renewed daily of a wonder that lies beyond, whose source lies beyond all reason. No one has ever seen God. That's in the Bible. Love is God. That's in the Bible. You may be on an apophatic path today. I can travel with you at least part of the way. But if you are an apophatic, then let us be sure to be an emphatic apophatic and to make our understanding of the divine in language useful. Mystery, wonder, spirit, presence. Having been taught and tutored in the school of John Calvin, whose institutes of the Christian religion are as marvelous today as they were so many hundred years ago, we might offer alongside in this Lenten journey an honoring and concomitant Wesleyan tulip formula the Reformed tradition focuses on divine freedom. The Methodist tradition focuses on human freedom. And to move through life in faith, you need a little bit of both. Mr. Wesley might have put it something temporal, something universal, something lasting, something imaginative, something powerful. The Gospel according to St. Matthew, in its shortened rendition of the lesson from St. Mark chapter 12, changes the teaching somewhat. Matthew eliminates the kindly reference to the interlocutor. Matthew erases, sad it is, the compliment Jesus 
pays his conversation partner saying in Mark, you are not far from the kingdom of heaven. In Mark, Jesus is asked to help and he does. In Matthew, Jesus is put to the test and he passes. Love of God and love of neighbor. It may be that 20 some years later at the end of the first century, Matthew under the shadow and the haunting darkness, the depravity, the uh, randomness, the uh, hurt of the end of the first century has narrowed its teaching so that we get the marrow of the message. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Matthew emphasizes the mind. The difficulties of this life and this world will not give way before sentiment only, emotion only, heart only, feeling only. There will need to be a combination as Matthew teaches. And mind, such a beautiful word, it appears almost exclusively in the New Testament in the reading in the letters of Paul as read earlier from Romans chapter 12, the word noose, mind, intelligence, that roving reason so important in the Greco-Roman world and of course in our own as well. For Matthew has chosen though a slightly different word, a, cogni a, a related word, the anoia. It's got that prefix. It's got that jazz movement. It's got that flexibility. It's a beautiful word mind, but here it means not so much thought as thinking, not so, so, not so much mind as mindful, not so much understanding the noun as understanding the gerund, as in, if I am understanding you, it is a disposition, it is a perspective, it is a way of being, it is your calling card, love in mind. How shall we live with love in mind? Do you? Do you have love in mind? In 2014, it surely will take something temporal, will it not? Something walking the green earth. President Robert A. Brown and former Mayor Thomas Menino this past Monday sponsored a day-long review of what had been done and done well following the bombings last year. What a marvelous eight hours of learning and teaching. Among many other things, they pointed out that what was done so well, those who made it to an ambulance without exception survived, was done because of trust, whether in the first responders or in the networks of social and health and medical care or at the very top leadership, the governor and the mayor and all. These were people who knew each other by name and could call and speak, who weren't distributing on a first occasion basis their name, rank, and serial number. There was a trust there. This is what we hear from David, David whose Bildungsroman begins today, this uh, yet another of those hidden and powerful shepherds in scripture. But David, who's always, you know, in conjunction. How do you think of David? Don't you think of him as 
David and, David and Jonathan, David and Saul, David and Goliath, David and Bathsheba and Nathan and Uriah, David and Solomon. David is always David in a context, in a social location. Yo soy yo y mis circunstancias, said Ortega. I am myself and my circumstance. The love and mind will require something temporal, will require something universal as well. There's something about truth. There's a self-correcting spirit of truth loose in the universe. That's the gospel. But our role is to connect ourselves with it wherever we can, and when we don't, we know the failure. Philip Seymour Hoffman, a good Rochester lad, died tragically this year. You'll remember his dark films, his capacity to move at the edge, as in his partnership with Meryl Streep in Doubt, and that sermonic moment when the woman comes to Father O'Rourke in the story and says, you know, yesterday my friend and I were talking about a man we hardly know. We were gossiping, and in, at night I had a dream of God's hand extending to me, to me. Was that a warning, Father, that I should ask for forgiveness? And the pastor replies, I'll skip the harsher terms, simply saying, you have played fast and loose with someone's reputation. Of course that demands absolution, which he gives. She goes to leave and he says, by the way, do something for me. When you go home, take a pillow up to the roof and cut it open. So she goes home, enters the kitchen, finds a knife, goes into the bedroom, takes a pillow, goes up the back staircase to the roof on a windy day and cuts open the pillow and 10,000 feathers fly. She returns and he says, what happened? Feathers, she answered. And he said, well, now just take the pillowcase and go back and collect every one of those. But, but Father, I can't. There's no way. The wind has taken them. Ah, he says. So now you understand gossip. When we distribute misinformation, play fast and loose with someone else's reputation, we have cut against the grain of the universe and you won't fully understand it until it's happened to you. Something universal, something lasting and lastingly good, the life of Jesus stands. Jesus teaching not a few but many. Jesus loving not in depravity but in eternity. Jesus not in limitation but sitting and teaching to all within the range of his voice. Jesus, who found that grace was eminently resistible, according to the gospel account, and Jesus, whose perseverance lasted to the point of the cross, which is our week, weekly and monthly seasonal journey here in Lent. There's going to be something lasting in the love, love in mind. You shall love the Lord your God with all your mind. Whether or not you trust all of the statistics in Christian Smith's book on the generation of those in their 20s lost in transition, the dark side of emerging adulthood, the description, statistical description of amoral sexuality and rampant drunkenness and steady 
drug use, and lack of empathy for others, whether or not you share the view of Charles Blow and his look at the millennials, those who are not inclined to support institutions, political or religious or other, the self-e generation, as he calls that group. You know, you wonder, even if much of this has some truth, what does this cohort remind you of? Of whom do they remind you? Their parents? Perhaps so. There is going to need to be a lasting component, a multi-generational lasting component to the teaching and practice of love and mind, and that's where you come in, Marsh Chapel. There will need to be an imaginative dimension to such a love as, as well. Think of those whose voices ring still to this day. William Sloan Coffin, Augustine of Hippo, Erezim, Kohak, Marilyn Robinson, Julian of Norwich, those whose fertile imaginations have freed us up and moved us forward, given us the grace to see in a new way. This week, the obituary of Zbigniew Ramazuski of Solidarity Leadership 30 years ago was printed. He went up on another rooftop and broadcast as he could. He was a physicist, a person of the mind, but he gave himself to the solidarity movement so long ago. And even though his broadcast could only be heard two or three minutes a day up, up to the rooftop, he went. Love and mind will require the expansion of the imagination. And love and mind will require something powerful. Marshall Poe, this winter, in his article in the Atlantic Monthly about higher education, gives us such a word. It's an article about religion and higher education. He concludes his essay by writing, American higher education is the envy of the whole world, and why wouldn't it be? Here you may be taught the history of the French Revolution, to understand the carbon cycle, how to solve for X. But American higher education has one glaring deficiency. It cannot teach you how to live when you are sad, confused, and lonely, when a breakup becomes a breakdown, when you end up living on your friend's couch, when your parents divorced 15 years continue to fight, when you don't make the team, when you do get pregnant, when you are assaulted or worse, when your mind goes numb, when you wonder what the meaning of it all is, and when you are terrified by the question, whatever am I going to do next? For that you'll need something like the gospel, something powerful, something like love in mind, Marsh Chapel, you have everything to offer today. You can speak an intervening, saving word through your building, through your history, through your location, through your liturgy, through your music, through your preaching, through your care. You can speak a powerful, intervening word. 
To my young friends, when you write your history of John Wesley and his theology, please summarize, if you will, in tulip fashion, temporal and universal, lasting and imaginative, powerful all. Or, if you'd rather have the, the music than the words, you might sing, sing along with Charles, that beautiful Kingswood hymn written in 1762 for the opening of an elementary school. Unite the pair so long disjoined, knowledge and vital piety, learning and holiness combine, and truth and love let all men see. May I ask you a question? For better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, do you? Do you have do you have love in mind? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Amen.
We come now to the time in our service when we approach God in prayer. I invite you to stand, kneel, come to the altar rail, or be seated as the Spirit moves you, as our choir sings our call to prayer, Lead Me, Lord. Eternal God, you are the anointer of the best of us. Anoint in us now the knowledge of your love. Lord Jesus Christ, you have given us by your example the knowledge of what is good and acceptable and perfect. Renew this knowledge in us now that we may more perfectly conform to your example for the transformation of the world. Holy Spirit, you have been present with us through our darkest valleys, even unto the shadow of death. Do not withdraw from us now, but lead us to your prepared table with all of creation. We pray for your presence where there is pain or strife, in Venezuela, in Syria, in Ukraine, in the back bay, and wherever we struggle in our lives. God, may it be that we would have love in mind when we consider your good creation Build up in us the power to love you and our neighbors with our whole hearts and souls and minds. And now, with the confidence of the children of God, we pray as Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever.
Lord be with you. My name is Nico Romain Stout. I'm a ministry assistant here at the chapel, and it is a joy to welcome you once again into our midst. For those of you joining us in person this morning, we invite you to place your name and contact information in the red pads found along the center aisle of the pews, and then pass them along to your neighbors so that we can get to know each other better in the days to come. For those joining us by radio or online, we invite you to several forms of participation and connecting both with us and with each other, whether that is in email, in phone, through the website, or social media, or as the Spirit moves you, your presence here amongst us in the weeks to come. We have several announcements for you all this morning, uh, most of which are found in the back of your bulletins. First of all, today, you are invited to a hymn sing hosted by some wonderful chapter members. Uh, It's from 1 to 4 p.m. out in Lynn. Details, address, and contact information are found in the back of the bulletin. For students, coming up this Thursday, you're invited to join in a global community day of service. The uh, times for that are 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. this Thursday. More information can be found both in your bulletin and by talking with Reverend Brittany Longsdorf, chaplain for international students. Next weekend on Saturday, we are hosting another study retreat for our students. Uh, You can find information, again, on the website, on Facebook, in the bulletins. It's a full day of study with some spiritual practice involved and, of course, food. Please register so that we can feed you as you try to get your studying done, your papers written, and all those things off of your to-do lists. Finally, several students and staff are joining with our friends over at Hillel House this afternoon, actually this full day, for their mitzvah day of service. There's an opportunity to serve for about an hour following the service of worship today. If you're interested in this short service opportunity, please meet Caitlin White in the narthex following worship, and you'll head over together. These are some of the many forms of ministry which your gifts and your ties help to support on this campus, in this city, and in this world. As our choir sings, we invite you to consider giving in the plates being passed amongst you or online through the chapel website, bu.edu chapel. Now walk in love as Christ loved us in offering and service to God.
all-loving God, who we see in the dance of the cosmos and the light in the face of each fellow being, please bless these gifts we bring forth for you today. We have been blessed by you to be alive and to live in such a glorious world, and we pray that our gifts reflect our thankfulness and that through them, your work may continue to be done in our communities. Amen. of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be and abide with each one of us now and forevermore. Amen. 